This episode contains language and content of an explicit nature. Listener discretion is advised. Before a song is released, a record is produced, or a chorus is written, the musicians that write them think a lot. They live a lot, and they feel a lot. Before the chorus dives into the stories and experiences that shape these artists, and ultimately, the music we hear. I'm your host, Sophia Lepercaro, and this episode's guest is Billy Martin. Billy Martin is a solo artist currently based in London. Throughout her teen years, she became a rising star of UK indie folk. But until recently, she never explicitly wrote about herself, obscuring meaning behind poeticized lyrics. On Flora Fauna, however, she has chosen to face herself directly, both celebrating the growth she has experienced and readying herself for the growth that comes next. There's a really, really pretty park um, about 15 minutes from here um, where there's like little spots where you can kind of walk down some steps and you just sit by the water and you're covered by trees and there's turtles in the creek and all these little things. It's just a very lovely spot. And I just sat and I listened to the album just straight through in that spot and it was absolutely perfect. Amazing. Yeah, it was like the right place to listen to it because obviously nature is such a part of the album that it felt like I, I needed to go to a place that was very soothing and kind of, again, just be in the natural world in mm. order to really absorb it. a good thought to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, it was absolutely magical. It was, again, it was just what I needed yesterday, too, so it was perfect. But yeah, well, getting into the album itself, and I guess some of the stories and the themes in it, as as I do on this podcast... Um, I mean, it's definitely a very self-examining album, um, kind of going through one's own either health, unhealthy behaviors or unhealthy expectations for life, and then kind of gradually letting them go and finding peace. Like, there's a lot of songs that I almost found, I guess, mirrored each other, and that one was sort of addressing whatever um, the issue was, and the other one was sort of the one letting it go. Mm, I love that. Yes, yeah. please. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah I think I hate this word being tossed around all the time but catharsis is what you do that's why you write songs that's why you need to have an input and then an output to get something out of you but I didn't feel catharsis before the first two albums weren't that at all they were me kind of skirting around problems that I've always had and being very really enjoying the abstract and um vagueness of my writing and it was all very convoluted and uh, lyrical and like floaty. And um, it was so refreshing to just stick to a point and address the subject, which was usually me. Um, but also have that social, to have that social um, observation as well. That was really refreshing to not skirt around the obvious. I just said things as they were. And um that is when I reached catharsis because you need to be in order to do that. Yeah. And I definitely feel like there's in the outer music world, there's kind of a larger pattern of that. I think, especially because when you think of indie and indie folk and anything that even sort of circles around that, that sort of tendency to go towards very flowery language while it's super beautiful um, has been a big sort of part of that. I'd say for like the last 10 years or so, And in the last little while, especially as we're all talking more openly, as even 
pop genres, which are known to be very literal, um, are becoming something that we all interact with more, I feel like there is this larger move to be more direct in people's lyrics, which I really do appreciate. Yeah, I, I, I definitely came from a kind of a very English lit poetic greenery background. And I really subscribed to that personality for a long time. Um, and it definitely gets across some major feelings and the natural world is incredibly evocative of everything. And it kind of has each emotion in it every day, which I love. And that's a theme that I will always write about, but not necessarily at the core. So now this album feels like the natural world was a sort of backbone rather than the entirety of it. Um, and that's why I wanted to like, with the artwork and everything, I wanted to just really throw that in your face and be direct with it and kind of just have like a polite fuck you to every image that was ever created of me before and how I'm really not this sort of haunting waif and I don't live in a treehouse. And um, so I was literally just eating mud on this shoot to like really drill that point home. And um, it's a modern record. Like it's the first time I felt like I wasn't trying to go back to the seventies and I wasn't trying to be Joni Mitchell or Nick Drake or John Martin. And I will always carry those influences with me, but it, it was a point of realization that I needed to just have a bit of my personality come through. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to do that before because I wasn't fully formed. You know, I was trying to chameleon and um, absorb other people's personalities and their likes and their hobbies and, you know, what they were into and that, and was taking all this information in as research and then sort of projecting out an unclear image of what I was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's something that we all do. And that actually leads into my question about the first song really perfectly because Garden of Eden, I mean, it touches on wanting to make a certain something of yourself, both in terms of success, but also sort of molding yourself and molding your expectations of what your life is going to be. So, um, yeah, I feel like that's kind of close to what you just touched on. Mm. Well, that was very much about feeling that strong um, pulse of competition, um, which I hate, and I'm not naturally competitive, and I will, you know, let other people go first and, like, just have, have them have their limelight if they need it, and I'll just sort of hang around in the background. Um, but it, honestly, the, every conversation I was having with people, it was always, how are you? Oh, I'm really great. I'm doing this thing or I will be doing this thing or this is happening now. And now I'm progressing here. And it's just it wasn't it wasn't accurate for one. Like that's not that's not their entire being. And that's not really what's going on. And it just makes the other person feel inadequate. And I really felt that in the Pulse of London and I felt that in the music industry uh, especially talking to actual industry people. It's never kind of, how are you? What's going on in your real life? It's always, you know, how's the single going or what's happening now and how much are you working? And as someone that comes from quite a lazy, slow paced life, um, I'm an incredibly sporadic writer and I'm not good at a nine to five. It was quite intimidating to me. Um, so then I just had this image of us literally being plants and needing the space and the water and the food to grow. But in doing that, we're focusing on the growing part without any sense of clarity or reason behind it. 
And sometimes it's like if you let something be as it is, as it's supposed to be, it will actually do more growing and that will be concrete, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that is... That that's all very true. I mean, I am in the music industry, so I'm well aware of that. And it gets especially tricky with these sort of passion jobs because our personalities and our careers end up being very intertwined. And in some senses, in this very unhealthy way, in other senses, it's just because we love what we do, you sort of end up accidentally blurring the boundaries between the two in the way that you converse in the activities you... Um, it's easy to fall into those moments when you're constantly kind of being bombarded with this thing that is both work and is something that you love. So you're reminded constantly, maybe not from other influences, but from yourself that you must be thankful all the time. And you must, you know, the, the most common phrase I have is I'm so lucky, which I am, but it also implies that uh, I'm not meant to be here. You know, like it's a fluke situation. And with that, passion job thing I feel like that's what falls into place with that because you're not necessarily employed um you know you've you've done this yourself and then what you actually need to focus on is the music making and not what other people are making and not all the outer trimmings of the music industry and there's a lot of that you need to get down to the core to really find what people want which is good sounds and to to speak on that, like I said, I feel like quite a few of the songs sort of have their their mirror. And so for me, Garden of Eden's mirror is Pigeon because there's, I mean, there's that line, I cannot compete with that, which quite literally on the head is just like, I'm not trying to face someone else. But my favorite line in the song is just, don't berate people or hate it if we take work off. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Exactly. You know, it's... um. My old manager used to call her life, hurry, hurry, wait, wait. And um, there's a lot of that going on with all of us right now. And especially COVID just coming in there on the left wing, you know, unwanted. It's, um, yeah. 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 Well, we love a good moment to set boundaries. And so I, it feels very healing to listen to that song. I mean, there's a lot of this album that I really related to, and I think I needed to to sit with that and kind of reground myself in these moments of being like, I'm not going to put up with these things. I am going to rest, and I am going to say no, which is very nice. Good. I love that. I love that you got that from that. That's good. Yeah. Now, important question. What is a one-legged pigeon? <laughs> um well, it's sort of the most common breed that's come out of London, um, which is a pigeon that has been so battered by city life that um, often they've got one gammy leg left. So there's no metaphor there. I was just observing that every single day. And they're all scraggly and they're kind of like, you know, like a battery chicken, not, you know, for the service and not for the joy of life. And um, I just got really sick of it, literally, in the song. But um, I think I came from a very privileged background of um, small batch life and small communities and, um, you know, seemingly large problems. And then you get down to London and there's a whole batch of other problems that are much bigger. And um, it was my way of observing, mixed with all of the branding and the constant consumerism and just being bombarded every time you step outside the house 
those were my two main things that I got at that time. I was feeling particularly cynical about everything. So that's what came out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> I like to do an old man ramble sometimes. We all need a good old man ramble. Yeah. So apparently also one, the one-legged pigeon is also a yoga pose. Um, just ah. you, It is. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't think that that's what you're referencing because it didn't really fit. But I, I did a quick Google to see if I could find anything. And that's the only thing that Google offered up to me you know it's a really good position it's very nice I enjoy it well there you go <laughs> well I guess the thing sort of ties into that because there was a lot of like yummy mummying and really expensive exercise for no reason and like not doing yoga for the sake of moving your body but so you could wear the matching outfits and look at everyone else do handstands and stuff yeah yeah I don't want to say that I've been there but I've been there um I've, I've gone to many a yoga class in various posh parts of different towns. I went to a yoga class in Chelsea once. That was interesting. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Don't recommend. I definitely did not feel like I was supposed to be there. No, thank you. Yeah, no. Well, anyway, on that note, um, we move on to the next couple of pairings. So from some of the songs on this record, I got the sense that you are a little bit of a people pleaser by nature. Is Ooh. that true? That would be accurate. Yeah. I am also one. So this is not coming from a place of judgment. This is coming from a place of like recognizing like. Good. Good. Well, I think it's um, in some ways I'm learning to live with the positive aspects of being that, you know, it means that you don't do things kind of half-assed and you like to make people happy. But in other ways, in which I expressed through this album, it can be just really damaging. And I was finding myself people pleasing more and more and hanging out with the wrong crowds and not looking after myself at all, physically or mentally. And it just really got me into a bit of a pickle. You know, I wasn't in trying to please others. I was not helping myself out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it sounds like ruin and, and heaven and... Liquid Love are all about. Yeah, I mean, uh, Liquid Love and Ruin were the ones that I definitely picked that up from. Um, I don't know if I read it right, but when I was looking at the lyrics of Liquid Love, I very much saw it as someone almost bleeding themselves out for another person and not getting anything in return to the point, like you say, that you feel hazy. It's like you're becoming anemic. You're giving so much and you're not keeping any for yourself. And again, you're getting nothing in return. Mm, exactly that and I actually am anemic and definitely was during that song Uh, well done and um yeah I was in a lot of very fleeting small sort of undercover relationships and everything was kind of always in the dark and um I never knew what was going on and sort of intentionally as well because none of it was healthy and um I was also So Liquid Love is kind of um, a sort of breakup song with alcohol. Um, So I wanted it to be a kind of realisation song moment for me um, in that I was really just using it in negative ways and it definitely wasn't um, helping me. And that comes with musical culture, but it's also kind of on you and it is your responsibility. 
Um, so I was just kind of very aware of it at the time. And I wanted to document that in order to help myself a little bit. Hmm. That's a really interesting thing to think about. I mean, almost seeing like two images coming up. So both this idea of alcohol and of of blood, which I mean, technically the two go together as well. So they do, they do, and they definitely affect each other. And there was there's a lyric um, about the sun every morning. I kept I kiss the lips of every sun coming, and that was literally just being thankful to wake up every morning and like you know have a road to improvement and. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be a positive spin on quite a negative experience, but, and that's why the whole song is very liquidy and like um, immersive and, you know, dreamlike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite song on the album. It, it's the one that hit me the quickest and I love it very much. Um, now, another song, I, again, I kind of do these like weird pairings sometimes and this one's not really the mere song. I'm going to get to that after, but... The other one that I, I was thinking about here was Ruin, and it's the, I guess the reason I put it here too is because it plays into that idea of giving to other people in that it's almost someone who's seeing themselves as a burden on the people in their lives and not wanting to put their own stuff on other people. I felt, I was, I was just a very small character for a lot of years, and I felt that I was being oppressed by these environments that I wasn't really ready to dip my toes into. And at the beginning, you know, you've just signed a record deal, you're 15, you're um, being shown society, basically, in a very inaccurate way. And you're surrounding yourself with people twice your age and more, and that becomes normal. Um, And... Yeah, because you're so impressionable at that age, you just absorb everything and and it's not necessarily the right things. Um, and I'm only just now learning to swim away from that a bit more. Um, but I was just constantly playing with, you know, being destructive with myself and then being remedial and helping and hindering and allowing myself to breathe and then punishing myself afterwards and just yeah just this constant cycle of self-doubt and then a bit of positivity and then coming back down again and yeah it's exhausting work like it was many years of just thinking um I have OCD as I've been very open about on this um podcast I'm well aware of that feeling of thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking so yeah again hits very close to home um now going to I guess the the mirror songs as I'm calling them I'm going back to liquid love for a second but I actually found heaven sort of felt like a bit of a mirror now obviously liquid or heaven does you know allude to the unhealthy sides of love like the opening is that we buy the cheapest cuts of love immediate fits like a glove makes me think I'm not good enough you know it's very much saying I'm grabbing at the first thing but as you move through the song it's as if you're saying I am worthy of love I found a partner who is a good person and he is also worthy of love so it sort of changes as you move through the song yeah and especially with that kind of driving middle eight it was supposed to like work up as if you're driving up a hill and you're finally getting to that point of realization and that's why I wanted to link it into religion because um well I have I grew up with a C of E Christian mum and a strong atheist dad and the two are heavily in love with each other but have completely opposing views 
Um, and I kind of was in the Christian community growing up, but then also looking at it with my dad's eyes. And I learned to just take very specific morals. And that main one was just have a kind heart, which is what I learned from mum. And then also from dad is a kind of innate um, skepticism and kind of wariness and dry humour and all of that stuff. But it just meant that there was this idea of salvation at the end in all religion. And you're going to get to a point and it's going to be good. You're going to open those gates and everything's going to be fine. And I was just really thinking about that idea. And is it possible to have that without religion? Can you keep such a restrained view on life without subscribing to a whole, um, what's the word? Scripture. And um, yeah, I was actually briefly dating this Buddhist punk for a bit. And um, again, another one of those kind of fleeting, weird relationships. But he used to take me to a lot of meetings. And I was witnessing a completely different religion. And he used to wake up every morning and chant for an hour. Um, And it was very aggressive, like, you know, primal sounding thing. And again, I've been in those meetings. I've been in C of E church. I've seen a lot of different cultures and backgrounds. It's all the same thing. It's always... um, you know, repent and then achieve salvation. Mm, Absolutely. And I mean, I know I'm kind of circling back in the other direction, but there's a line in this song that I particularly love. And it's in part because I know your current partner and this, this particular line just makes me smile a lot, which is the line, yes, we deserve our love. Um, And it actually, like it really, got me because I mean obviously I know what he's been through I from the album kind of get glimpses of what you've been through so to see you kind of make that affirmation for both of your sakes makes me really smile thank you yeah I think we've both had a lot of time of sadness and um darkness and not giving ourselves enough love and then when someone else entertains that idea it's much easier for you to do it yourself and I've been in years of therapy just learning to appreciate yourself every time they ask me if I can name 10 things that are good about me and I can't can't do that um and it's just a learning process it comes with age and it comes with surrounding yourself with you know in loving environments yes I, I have nothing to add to that. That is, I mean, that's that's bang on. Um, now, just talking about Ruin again and its sort of mirror, I put Kill the Clown with it as its pairing. Um, specifically the lines, I am no one's trouble, I am no one's bag. Um, which I guess as my, as my reading, if you will, it's very much, I am not a burden on other people and it is not my job to fill myself with other people's burdens if they're not made for me to hold on to precisely I was gonna say this album it's I in my head I think it's really coherent and it sounds the same and then I dissect it every time and these songs are completely different like musically they're from polar opposites and thematically they explore all these different things and I think that's because in moments of Kill the Clown, that's like my confidence spurt and the rhythms are very quick the drums are very heavy you know I'm it's louder and I have more of an impact on things. And then I'll, you know, sort of retreat into that 
slower liquid love walnut space um because my character flips all the time and I'm not necessarily you know um a cornerstone of positivity and self-belief all the time that may be what I'm selling with this album sometimes but it's not necessarily the whole thing so it's important to recognize that sometimes I feel that kill the clown situation and the reason I wanted to call it kill the clown is because you can infantilize something and clowns are always a childhood fear not for me necessarily I don't think I've even seen a, an actual clown I don't think that was really a thing um but I wanted this image that I could then beat to the ground essentially and like kick it away yeah yeah, absolutely. And also to to clarify one thing, even though I've paired a lot of these songs together, none of these songs are completely binary. All of them hold a lot of contrasts within themselves. So I I'm just I think trying to weave together these ideas of meditating on all of this and on trying to to heal in any little or big way that you can from the things that aren't healthy in your life. Mm. And then also finding solace and acceptance in um, hypocrisy mm-hmm. and being kind of that. Yeah, we're human. We're walking contradictions. Here we are. Who said that? Uh, I'm sure someone did, but I just said it off the top of my head. I'm not claiming it. I'm just saying that I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, like it's in a song. It might be. We'll have to find that. Anyway, it sounds great, and it's very true. We are. It's it's the truth of us, and like you said, the more that we embrace it, the less unkind we are to ourselves, because we just realize that's in our nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to another two. I paired these two together as well, but for a very different reason. I don't really see them as the kind of issue and lesson sort of thing. It's more the way that they're placed in the album really... I find quite jarring in a good way. Um, it's quite powerful. Um, and that for me is Creature of Mine and Human Replacement. Just because Creature of Mine in a lot of ways is asking someone to be kind and gentle and also, you know, to be more than just, uh, frankly, a sexual partner, um, you know, and also just wanting to live life very fully. And then after you have a song that kind of takes a really hard left, Human Replacement, which deals a lot with, you know, misogyny and the things that women have to put up with and men's larger apathy to those things. So whether we talked through those songs together or separately, I just thought it was very interesting that they were next to each other on the album. Mm, I saw, Especially because we're, we're releasing everything in, in track order, which I find helps the listener because it's an accurate depiction of what they're about to, you know, buy or listen to. And for me, it's kind of like we're very much climbing the hill here and you know Garden of Eden starts quite soft and joyous and it's all friendly and bright Creature of Mine gets a little bit darker but it's still kind of cool and then Human Replacement is just like this big slap in the face um and musically I don't think I'll ever do anything like that again but I'm really glad that I did do it um I just wanted to talk about something that was very real and happening in my life and everyone else's and I've grown up around, I find I bond better with males, just naturally. And I have an older brother and um, I'm just, most of my friends are guys and it's, I just find it really easy and lovely. Um, so it, 
because of that, I was kind of suppressing all of these things that are very female focused. Um, and I was almost in denial for a long time and I was never safe. And the more I think about it, when I first moved to London, I was kind of just roaming around, you know, being 18 and on her own. And like, I was working at a pub, so I was pretty much nocturnal. There's not one ounce of me that ever thought that something would go wrong then. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, you know, I wouldn't let my child do that. So I'm just very aware of it. And this song came out um, at the time when there was a shooting or a stabbing every day in London. It was a really dark hour and it would have been rude of me to not address that. Um, and we've just shot the video for this song actually and it's um, pretty to the point and we certainly haven't skirted around the subject, which I initially was gonna do and then I, you know, took that back. I'm glad you didn't. I mean, I've been having some conversations with men in my life over the last actually like week. Um, and fortunately, some really positive ones. Um, I can name it because they've talked about it publicly, but Matt from the Amazons, um, he, uh, him and one of his friends, this artist Joshua Spears, they have a podcast together. And I came across them talking about their roles as men in indie and what they want to do to set better examples for the men that are their fans, that they want to, you know, be better to their female fans as well and understand these power dynamics. And to hear two men who are front men, you know, who have that sort of power dynamic in their clutch if they want it, being like, no, we want to do the right thing here and we want to be an active part of the solution was very, very healing for me as a woman, you know? It was... Well, the idea of safety is so rare and it's like, you know, a precious jewel that sometimes may fall in your pocket, but mostly doesn't. And um, I think over the past two years, especially, we're just picking up all of these subjects that have been completely overlooked and it's so the right time to address them. And there's no fear now, you know, everything's been said, all the movements have happened. Now is our platform to do that. Absolutely. And about damn time. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're getting to the last couple songs, um, which are literally the last two, uh, Walnut and Aquarium. Now, I I didn't entirely know where to place them in terms of like the quote unquote pairings. But again, not everything has to follow a certain pattern, so it doesn't matter. Um, it was convenient for the last few songs and now we can drop that. But Walnut, I know that you sort of like alluded to like, again, these past relationships and these things that you wanted to let go of throughout the album, but this is the song that really hits it head on and is saying, I'm letting this go. I am saying goodbye to this. Mm. Well, I just wanted to address, I wanted it to be a very cyclical album in that I had opened the whole thing with Garden of Eden and that touches on the religion and the beginning of the Bible, but we'll say like fresh growth and uh, bucolic scenes and all of that and then Walnut kind of addresses this just the, a simple matter of having uh, an illicit relationship not allowing something to happen um, and yet wanting it so much and that came back to the Garden of Eden fruit of Eden's tree wanted that to go in there to express the opposite of that feeling in that garden um, and then an aquarium at the very end the garden is kind of a place of solace at the end um, and I wanted that to come through again but yeah, Walnut kind of is the most direct I've ever been with someone. And um, it just needed to be addressed. 
and it needed to be this like weird twisted sounding sort of creaky like an old ship kind of waltzing thing going on and I needed a male voice in there as well so I got my friend Guy Garvey to come and sing on it and he did and it sounds wonderful because he's got this beautiful like bassy gravelly tone and it means that the relationship is even and it's not just me like you know theoreticizing this phantom relationship that isn't real you know it makes it concrete and like instant um and that was walnut I love that. And I was picking up on that voice. I was like, oh, I love when there's that kind of almost creaky, bassy voice at the bottom of a track, especially when it's contrasted with a higher voice. I know that um, Phoebe Bridgers did that on Garden Song. It almost sounds like it might be Matt Berninger who's on the bottom of it, but I can't really say for sure. And yeah, I mean, they know each other. He's got such a gorgeously raspy low voice. Um, and again, picking up on that same thing in your song was like, oh, I love it when people do this. It's so nice. Good. Well, me and Rich, my producer, have been doing it for years, just saying. But, you know. Okay, so Phoebe, you didn't do it first. Um, you have competition. <laughs> so, no, it's not about competing. It's about everybody learning from each other and growing, and it's all good, th- good, good stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, coming back to Aquarium, um, even though there's, you know, both kind of light and darkness in this song, it did very much to your point come across as wanting to find solace or wanting to find an escape specifically in nature which is that even though you said it's nature sort of at the background of this album this is where it very much comes forward um Mm. it's yeah it's sat at the front of the song and it's very very beautiful thus me going to a park to listen to this album because it sort of told me that that's what it wanted as cheesy as that sounds it's i love that so much yeah yeah I love that idea of finding comfort in nature I'm guessing based on what you've told me is that a place that you find a lot of comfort like when you can get out of like hectic spaces and be in the natural world yeah it's all all of my comfort even just being here a day two days um it's hailing right now (laughs) it's really badly hailing I was walking in the sun this morning I've been to the garden center this is England. Um, yeah, I mean, even when it's like this, I still love it. And I'm just glad that I'm closer to it. And London is a difficult place for me because you can just rarely see a horizon. And I hate that. And my feet don't feel like they're touching anything. Concrete's the wrong word because it literally is concrete. But you know what I mean? It feel like I'm sturdy or safe or, you know, comforted by it. And uh yeah like I said nature is just um non-judgmental you can be anyone in it and it will always have you as a guest absolutely and it's interesting as well like I know Will mentioned to me that when it's a gray day in London it definitely gets under your skin a little bit which I can relate to um because you know I feel like I'm very much I need one or the other either I need good weather or I need to be in, like, somewhere that's very lush and green. So when you have, like, you're surrounded by concrete and it's gray, it's quite miserable. Whereas, like, a gray, misty day in the middle of, like, rural Wales is magical, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredibly evocative and powerful. But I know, you know, a lot of people love a, 
a really bad weather day because they can curl up and get all snug and warm and you know put a film on and have their favorite snacks and things and I just can't enjoy that I'm not I'm not allowing myself to enjoy that because I'm not using my surroundings and if I don't get outside even for just 20 minutes a day I'd go mental and um it's just it feels like my duty (laughs) I've just set myself that duty and you know I'm taking ownership kind of of this thing that we have and we can use every day um but aquarium was one of those kind of more somber um low points for me and I was living in a place I didn't really like and I was really unwell physically and I didn't have any energy to do anything and um, I rang my dad because he's really important um, in moments like this, in all moments, but especially these times because he is a wonderfully emotionless, emotional man. Sounds like my dad. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, probably on the spectrum, but incredibly loving and caring and he's just very good at um, instant advice. And he told me to put the phone down and um, go and write this two shall pass uh, on some paper on my wall. And I did that. And then I wrote Aquarium immediately after. And this thing just came out of me. And it was, you know, the best little slice of um, a father-daughter relationship I think I've ever had. And it was beautiful. And I just wanted to bookend the album with that because it kind of brought me to my roots and in a really nice way. Florafana is out now wherever you normally get your music. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by myself, Sophia Lopercaro, and the artwork is by Meg Welford. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.